WQHT, New York City. Welcome to Hot 97's Street Soldiers, the hottest talk on radio. Hosted by Lisa Evers. I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers, on Twitter and Instagram. You know the deal, at Lisa Evers, Facebook, Lisa Evers Verified. Now, in this episode, we're focusing on what changes have taken place since the fatal police shooting of unarmed teenager Michael Brown just over a year ago in Ferguson. Do black lives matter more? Are things better with police and our communities Or are they worse? You're going to hear from some people who are really trying to do something about this, bringing their own solutions and trying to move the dialogue forward so we just don't stay stuck in a cycle of protests that result in little change or changes that are meaningless. And we're going to be talking about that in just a moment. But before I get into that, I have a really huge, huge, huge Did I say huge? Huge announcement. I want to share first and foremost live with my Street Soldiers audience right here on Hot 97 and our panel. It has finally happened. Starting in September, you will be able to see Street Soldiers on your own TV on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. And if you're not home, of course, you know how to work the DVR. You can set it automatically to record every single show. So, you know, you have a weekend, it's raining, whatever, you're cleaning the house, you can binge watch Street Soldiers episodes. You'll be able to later on in the fall, back to back, and feel fully informed. Now, my whole Hot 97 team, my TV team, Lisa, very excited about this. My executive producer, Tone Capone, our associate producer, Rose D, associate producer, Amber Ravenel. Um, Everybody here, we've been working on this for a very, very long time. So I want to thank them and executive producer, Tone Capone, who just never gave up on this idea. And finally, the stars aligned and it's going to be happening. So we're going to be able to bring you even more hot talk issues, different guests, and it's, we're just going to keep the whole thing going. And there's going to be an added bonus to this because in order to be on the TV at 9 o'clock, Street Soldiers, the radio show, is moving up to 7 a.m. So you'll be able to hear the show on Hot 97 at 7 a.m. Thank you. You'll be able to see the TV show at 9 a.m. And I'm going to let you know the exact September start date for that on Twitter. So please make sure you're following me on Twitter, at Lisa Evers. And uh, checking my Facebook and also my Instagram, we'll be posting the updates there. And of course, I I know people are listening right now going, how am I going to get on that? And, uh, you know, hit up my executive producer, longtime executive producer, Tone Capone at Tone, the number four real at Gmail. Dot com tone the number four real at gmail.com now this is really it's, it's just an incredible opportunity for us we feel it's an incredible opportunity to put some of the issues that matter most to our communities on a wider platform give them more attention and hopefully even have more influence in shaping the discussions and the narratives around some of these things that we all talk about continually and um, it would not have happened without your support and I'm really humbled and appreciative for all the support that you've given me and continue to give me and how do you give me that support by listening by tuning in by texting your family and friends right now here in the tri-state New York City and also around the country because we're streaming live on hot97.com and also on the free where hip hop lives app and tell your family and friends to tune in doesn't matter if they're in Cali if they're in ATL if they're Miami wherever they can hear this show right now you also help support the show by supporting me retweeting at Lisa Evers making comments on Facebook and also Instagram and getting more of your friends and family to tune in and of course I want to say too we want to thank so much 
so many people from the community organizations, our local leaders, and uh, just regular listeners that have supported us and kept us on the air, kept us going, and are helping us to move to this next level. And of course, you know, the people that have been with us from the jump are going to be the ones that we're going to be looking to, to try to help us get this new venture um, underway. So so starting next week, we'll be on at 7 a.m., and then in, in September, we'll be joined at 9 a.m., by the new TV show, Hot 97 Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers TV show that will be at 9 a.m. So make sure you follow me on Twitter um, and you won't miss anything. I think it's going to be really exciting. Give us a lot more opportunities and we're very pumped about it. We've been working real, real hard. And thank you thank you to everybody at Fox and um, everybody here at Hot 97, our program director, Pio Ferro, our general manager, Dion Levingston, for uh, working with everybody and, and just trying to keep this uh, moving and on, you know, getting it up to the next level. So, in this episode of Street Soldiers, we're talking about the state of police community relations one year after Ferguson. The days surrounding the anniversary of Michael Brown's death were, uh, you know, we saw protests, we saw street disturbances, another state of emergency that's been lifted, but just tremendous tension. And across the country, you know, we're looking at what's happening here one year later. Has there really been change? I mean, tens of thousands of people took to the streets and cities all over the country demanding change. And a lot of times there were those in our communities who felt that the media wasn't reporting the real story, that this was just an ongoing situation, an ongoing set of frustrations that it kind of reached a boiling point where people felt enough was enough. Now, we looked at a Washington Post study that came out within the last couple of weeks. They found that unarmed black men are seven times more likely than whites to be shot and killed by police. Now, that number is shocking. Through August 7th, so far this year, the Post counted 24 unarmed black men across the United States killed by uh, police. But to put this in perspective, those 24 lives, and we're talking unarmed, those 24 lives lost are a small fraction of 585 people shot and killed by police this year. That's 585. Now, the vast majority, according to the New York Post, Uh, I mean, to the Washington Post story, the vast majority of those shot and killed by police are white and Hispanic and were armed during confrontations with cops. So many of those cases, alleged crimes, you know, were in progress and confrontations were that result. Now, our focus here is the present and the future. How do we make it better? How do we recognize and acknowledge the core issues and yet work together for safety and solutions? Because let's face it, if you're in a jam, you're going to call 911. And when they when they get that call, do you want them to drive fast? Do you want them to drive slow? Do you want all units to respond? Do you want to be treated with the same respect? Do you want to feel like they're going to come and help me and not treat me like I'm the one that caused the problem? That's what we're talking about right here. And for police officers, too. There's a lot of police officers I've been talking to on the streets as I've covered stories for Fox 5 News every day, and they're frustrated, too, because they feel like there's this gulf that it's just very hard to bridge, and they kind of feel like, you know, they want to do their job. Most of them, they want to do help the community, but there's a lot of misunderstandings that are there. So we're asking you, one year after Ferguson, do black lives matter more or less? What do you think can be done to repair what President Obama calls the disconnect between police 
and communities of color. Give us a call at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. On Twitter and the gram, at Lisa Evers. And we got a fantastic panel to uh, talk about this and break this issue down for us. We're very excited to have, for the first time in our Hot 97 Street Soldier Studios, the one and only George Martin. He's a former NFL star, New York football giants co-captain. Every every person that follows football knows you. When I mention your name, like, he's going to be on the show. That's incredible. But he's also a corporate executive, humanitarian, and author of the new book on Amazon, Just Around the Bend. And he spends a lot of his time now going around the country, working with youth groups, working with charities, and just really trying to make life better for everybody everywhere. George, thank you so much for being with us. Lisa, it's my pleasure. Good morning. Good morning. We really appreciate you making the time for us. Thank you. Thank you. Also with us is Sergeant Henry Marrero. He's a law enforcement officer from New Jersey. Henry, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me, Lisa. We appreciate it. Also joining us is Charles Coleman. He's a federal civil rights trial attorney, criminal justice professor, and a TV and radio legal analyst. He also writes, you can see his his writings on The Root, HuffPo, and uh, many other sites as well. Charles, thanks for being with us again. We appreciate it. Good morning, Lisa, thanks for having me. Thank you. Also with us is Michael Tucker. He's the CEO and founder of Lay the Guns Down Foundation, early supporter of the Push for Peace. And uh, Mike, thanks for being with us. We Thank really you for appreciate having it. Me. All right, we're going to get to our panel. We're going to get to your telephone calls at 1 800 223 9797. That's 1 800 223 9797. One year after Ferguson, do you think black lives matter more or less? And if you're a police officer on the streets, active duty, we want to hear from you as well. Just let Rose know, and uh, you know we'll get you right on the line at 1 800 223 9797. I did reach out to the NYPD to try and get someone here officially. Um, on the show, either uh, in person or to call in, but they were unable to get back to us. So right now, let's go to, let's bring in Benita Williams. She's with Operation Hope, a fi- and she's a financial management co- counselor and part of the great Operation Hope team that has been working with Ryan Mack, who's you've heard here on Street Soldiers many, many times, and he's done tremendous work trying to economically empower our people in our, our communities. Benita, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Lisa. Good morning. What is the mood in uh, Ferguson there like right now? Well, basically, um, the mood is for some, uh, there still is uh, quite a bit of unrest in terms of what um, individuals feel should or should not or have not been done. But basically, as I spoke to Ryan, I'm going to talk about what uh, wonderful opportunity that Regions Bank has given Operation Hope to uh, help heal the community. And um, that's that's something, one of the most important things is uh, people knowing about their financial situation that gives them empowerment. Because um, so that's, that's been one of the lingering issues in the uh, whole Ferguson situation. And Benita, just quickly, because we have a panel here that we're just real, really anxious to get on the mic here. Just quickly, what is Operation Hope doing and how can people find out more information? Exactly. Uh, Operation Hope is um, making available uh, credit and money management workshops every third Saturday. Uh, we partner with the Urban League of Metro St. Louis. Also, we have a 700 community score class where individuals actually uh, attend four educational classes and up to 24 months they graduate, we hope, with the 700 credit score. That's fantastic. Uh, we're and Benita, I'm mm-hmm. so sorry. I'm, I'm just up, up up against the clock already this hour because we have so many calls stacked up. That's fine. If people want more information, where can they find it? If people want more information, they can go to www.operationhope.org 
and they can drop down for the St. Louis location, or they can reach me at 314-737-6086. All right, Benita, thank you so much, and a big shout-out to you, the whole Operation Hope team there in Ferguson, and also nationally under the leadership of uh, New York's very own Ryan Mack, one and only there. Okay, let me let me start with this. Um, Charles Coleman, we've talked about this issue on Street Soldiers ever since... For a long, long time, this entire issue. Where do you see things right now? You know, that's an interesting question, Lisa. I think that on one hand, if you look at where Ferguson is uh, a year later and you look at the tenor of the entire country, I think there's sort of a disconnect between what we've seen change and what the optics actually tell us. You know, on paper, we have seen certain things change. The chief of police in Ferguson did resign, um, although the chief prosecutor, Bob McCullough, is still in office. Um, But at the same time, there have been substantive changes with respect to the Department of Justice and their study, which ultimately led to a certain amount of, uh, I think it was $22 million being dedicated to body cameras being purchased. But if you look around the country, those sorts of measures like body cameras and things like that, these things are still happening. And that's when I talk about the optics being important, because despite the fact that there are body cameras, you look at what happened in South Carolina with Sam, I mean, I'm sorry, in Cincinnati with Sam DuBose, you look at um, what happened with Walter Scott. That wasn't a body camera situation, but it was a dash camera situation. And so despite the fact that there are these sort of uh, safeguards that are being sort of implemented, there is still a problem that exists and the optics are, are still a little bit off. And that's what tells the true story about the continuing disconnect between law enforcement and communities of color. All right, I'm going to ask you what you think the real problem is in just a moment, but Henry Marrero, you're out there, active duty, out on the, on the streets, and you've been with us also, too, through these uh, the, the many situations and, and tragic incidents that we've been discussing, representing for police officers, and we appreciate that. Where do you, do you, do you feel more tension now, less tension? Are people, you know, when you have to stop them? You know, what, what are you feeling? Well, I, I'll tell you what, um, it's a shame that that nothing has really changed. Um, all these uh, political gurus and all these uh, p- political people that are in power came in right away and, and automatically said they need training, they need body cameras. Uh, they came in, they blew hot air. There's still no federal funding for these body cameras. I so that's why it. some departments have them and some don't. Exactly. And if uh, we're going to stop this problem, I, I think that it's better that we see the whole encounter Okay, then instead of just two or three minutes that somebody captures uh, the, the, the final incident, you understand? So we need to see it from the officer's point of view. Yes, the tension is always high now because, uh, you know, the officers don't want to do their job. Not that they don't want to do their job. They're scared to do their job because now they become a subject. You understand, like, your life co- turns upside down. You don't know... You're under the microscope. You're under the microscope. So, like, if you're there, you know, you want to protect and help everybody, but you don't also want to be scrutinized. And then do, do police officers, do you think that police officers feel as if there has there been an attitude change as well? Well, you know what, where I come from in inner city, in, in, our, in our community, I mean, everybody's still, again, we're doing our job. We're, we're just, again, we don't want any scrutiny. And black lives only matter, right, when they're being shot by cops. But they're not, they don't matter when they're being shot by other black people. And nobody brings that to the table. Well, I, I think I got, I got to jump in there because I think that. That's a different conversation, and I think in some ways it becomes a, a mulligan for, you know, in a sense, a distraction from the issue. You know, when you talk about Black Lives Matter, I don't think anyone is saying that. And 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 to be fair, no one has actually said that black on black violence or the misnomer of black on black violence, because it is a misnomer, um, is not important and is not significant or worth talking about. I think, however, 
the the importance of this discussion is underscored by the fact that what we're talking about is law enforcement individuals who are sworn to protect and serve individuals of certain. So you see that as a different case, Mike Tucker. What do you what do you say about that? Well, I feel the same way in regards. Excuse me, as. Y'all may know I lost a son to gun violence at the hands of a New York City police officer. But as the brother to the right, I'm sorry, Charles Charles was saying, is that it's two different situations. All lives matter. And that's the most important thing. We have to respect each other. We have to let the officers do their job. But they also have to respect us. And that's the problem. And that's and that's the issue. 1-800-223-9797. Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. One year after Ferguson, do black lives matter more? What's being done? If you're a police officer, we want to hear from you, too. Give us a call at 1-800-223-9797. And uh, George Martin, when you as you go around the country, what kind of a sense do you get? Do you, do you feel there's more frustration or just the same? Or what's your sense? Well, personally, I viewed it as a, a great awareness on, on, on the part of both parties, but sometimes uh, the scenario is really colored by either the color of your skin or the color of your uniform, and I think that's where the dividing line is, and I, we can look back and we can point an accusing finger, but that doesn't get us anywhere. I think we have to be very positive, and those are the steps that we're making, trying to bridge those two divides, because there's a governor's rip between the two of them, and what we're doing is we're partnering up with uh, the New York City uh, Sergeants Benevolent Association and the youth of uh, this uh, nation, along with the Newark Police Department. We're bringing four 400 kids together uh, this Tuesday for our annual youth football clinic, and it will be uh, uh, obviously supported and sponsored by the SBA of New York and New York uh, City Police, so we can start talking about some of those issues that are so relevant and pertinent uh, to both sides and start bridging that divide. I think that's important. And this is you with the Minority Athlete Network? That is correct. As a co-founder and executive director of Minority Athletes Networking, I feel it's incumbent upon me to not only have a positive message and provide scholarships for kids and have mentoring programs, but we have to talk about the substantive repair of our society and these young people are going to be the ones who are going to implement a lot of that going forward all right let's uh talking about reforms let's bring in robert ganji he is uh the director of the police reform organizing project bob thank you so much for being with us we appreciate it oh, good morning and i'm pleased to be on the show okay now you've been at this for a while can you give us an idea of what you think needs to be done to improve policing and community relations Basically, uh, we're familiar with the NYPD, and basically what has to happen is significant changes in policing uh, within the NYPD. This is not uh, uh, to, to put some of the onus on the community as being responsible for uh, the problems, I think, is, is placing responsibility in the wrong place. The reason so many people of color have distrust and antagonism toward police officers is because they, the people of color in New York City have been treated badly by the NYPD actually for decades. And it's intensified in recent years with quota-driven broken windows policing, which is the kind of policing that was pursued by Ray Kelly under Michael Bloomberg and is now being pursued by Bill Branton under de Blasio. And quota-driven broken windows policing targets every day low-income people of color ticketing them and arresting them for engaging in low-level infractions, uh, things as frivolous as being in the park after dark, 
uh, riding a bike on the sidewalk, walking between two subway cars. Okay, but Bob, let me let, let me jump let me jump in there because because uh, Mayor De Blasio last week I was at City Hall for a press conference. He was explaining his approach to broken windows, how that the, the you know they changed the marijuana laws, they changed some of the other ones. He remains committed to it. I don't want to get off into that, but let me just ask you uh, one last quick question. Moving forward, give me give me some idea. Give us a couple of ideas of what you guys feel would be the best. You know, would be some good moves that that could be made. Well, one is. The Blasio's claims that they're making reforms is is primarily window dressing. They're not serious. They're not real. Every day, and we go into the courts every day, into the arraignment parts, and we see who's arrested and on what charges. And it's still low-income people of color for uh, petty infractions. Uh, one of our interns was in Brooklyn on Tuesday of last week. Forty-four out of the 46 cases were people of color. People were arrested for things like littering. Uh, street vendors were, were arrested because they didn't have the proper license being displayed. Whatever de Blasio is saying and Bratton is saying simply is not the case on the ground. And uh, the, what has to happen is the NYPD has to abandon broken windows policing. They have to reorient the police department to focus on serious offenses, on the people who are engaged in predatory and dangerous behavior in the community. And that's what's going to lead to significant changes uh, in terms of the relationship with the community. And that's also what's going to significantly cut down on the egregious incidents of police brutality. Okay, Bob. I, place in our city. All right. People want more information about PROP. Where can they go? Uh, to the Police Reform Organizing Project website. Uh, that's policereformorganizingproject.org. And we welcome people to go to our website and to also get on our mailing list. All right, Bob, thank you so much. It's Robert Ganji, director of the Police Reform Organizing Project. And uh, Sergeant Henry Marrero, one thing police officers say, and uh, a lot of the police officials don't say publicly, is that no one talks about incidents where there, there has been a crime or an alleged crime in the commission and it resulted in the death of somebody. Well, just going back to uh, what the last gentleman said was... Uh, that they're, the people, uh, the officers are, are picking on African or people of color. Um, it depends if that's the community that they're in, and and that's where the infraction is being committed. Well, who else are they supposed to give the infraction to? Um, you know, what we need to do is actually put put boots on the ground and have officers go to those communities and start shaking hands and getting to know the people of those communities and let's build bonds and bridges and keep the same officers within that same community over and over again so that we start to know the people that are there so that we have a relationship. So, like, the people, that, the good, good people that are there could actually come up to an officer and probably provide you with some information that may be helpful to deterring the violence in that community. All right, Angel, uh, Piero, uh, Rashawn, Kevin, everybody else that's on hold, and I know Charles Coleman, you want to make a comment about that, too. When we come back, I'm going to ask you what, what your feelings are about that as well. And uh, you're listening to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers, on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, at Lisa Evers. And uh, also, I want to give a, you know, remind everybody, tomorrow is the 90-day anniversary since the murder of Chinks. His album, Welcome to JFK, dropped on Friday. Also, big shout-out to Puff, um, to the whole Revolt TV crew for the documentary they did on Chinks, which was really, really great. And also, um, you can hear his music, of course, here on Hot 97, but if you download the Where Hip Hop Lives app, the free app, you can not only use it to listen to Street Soldiers live at our new time starting next week, 7 a.m., you can also listen to exclusive Chinks 
album tracks and just put it on your phone and you know you can check in with hot 97 hear what's going on and all kinds of 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 good things there so download the new free where hip-hop lives app in the app store now or google play for android hot 97 street soldiers when you're after ferguson things better or worse between our communities and the police we'll be right back Hot 97's on the Reggae and Soca Tip 2015. That's right, the biggest annual Caribbean concert in the Tri-State area. Performing live. Hey, yo, it's Double M, Marshall Montana. Marshall Montana. Yo, this is Barrington Levy. Barrington Levy. Egyptian, I will be there. Check this out, assassin. New York's own cranium. Conscience, I represent to the fullest. Yeah, this is Carly Buds. And we got so many, many more surprises for you. Friday, September 4th at Governor's Island. We're making our way there very style. Free when you buy a ticket. Tickets on sale now at TicketWeb. Made hot by Nutriment. Fuel your now and Metro Plus Health Plan. Ladies and gentlemen, start your savings. This year's Sandstone race to 1500 has begun. It is bigger and better than ever. 1500 vehicles must go. Choose from 10 major brands and over 4,000 vehicles. All with guaranteed financing and a $2,500 bonus check towards your purchase. Toyota, Jeep, Kia, Hyundai, Mazda, and more. All at the lowest prices of the year. Come join the race. Now let's get it through Labor Day at Sandstone Auto Mall, Route 1, Woodbridge, New Jersey. SandstoneAuto.com. Welcome to Staples. Hi, Staples guy. I need school supplies for my kids, and I can't spend a lot. With Staples' 110% price match guarantee for back to school, find an item for less, and we'll match the price and give you 10% of the difference. So I'll get the lowest price on backpacks? Yes. Notebooks? Mm-hmm. Calculators? You bet. Even? Yep. Nice. Make low prices happen. Make 110% ready happen. Staples, make more happen. Price match plus the 10% difference discount valid at checkout for items from retailers operating online and retail stores or products sold and shipped by Amazon. Valid through 9-19-15. See store or staples.com for details. I'm in a beauty wonderland. Oh, how grand. Getting lost in nearly every shade of eyeshadow, blush, and gloss ever made. This isn't shopping. This is full-on play. At Ulta Beauty, I could stay all day. Ulta Beauty is the place to explore and discover. Come in now to get the hottest looks with hundreds of new products just in from brands like NYX, Urban Decay, and Bare Minerals. Plus, buy one, get one half off on L'Oreal and Maybelline now through August 29th. Ulta Beauty. All things beauty, all in one place. Advance Auto Parts knows what makes a car guy a car guy. It's the commitment to maintain an engine through the 300,000 mile mark. It's burning the midnight oil to finish a job most guys would rather hand off. It's loyalty, and it's why there's speed perks from Advance Auto Parts. Spend 100 and get $20 off your next qualified purchase. No cards, no points, no nonsense. Advance Auto Parts, for guys who love getting under the hood. See store to sign up or visit speedperks.com for details. Hey, Paul, looks like we're coffee twins. We both got McCafe's. Oh, you mean my bean brew. Yeah, your fresh brewed McCafe coffee. No, I think you mean my mojo. My java, my morning joke. Okay, I get it. You want to use coffee slang. Well, let's drink this toasty roasty, Joe, bro. Whoa, Tom, don't get all weird on me. My bad. Whatever you call it, you'll love a rich, smooth, fresh brewed McCafe coffee from McDonald's. And now get any size McCafe coffee for just $1. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. A la carte only. Prices and participation may vary. Limited time offer. McDonald's presents Things Said at Breakfast by no one ever. Mmm, burnt toast. Hot diggity darn. Rubbery waffles? I'm so going to get my grub on. Ooh, cold leftovers. Mama likey. No one ever loves a bad breakfast, so get a real one. Served every morning at McDonald's. Like two warm, toasty sausage McMuffin with egg sandwiches for only three fifty For a limited time, most locations open at 5 a.m. Prices and participation may vary. See store for details. 
Hey, you go to a lot of music concerts? I'm the guy on the sidewalk with the tickets. But let me tell you, when you provide my kind of special ticket service, it's getting tough out there. Excuse me. Hey, buddy, you need tickets? Pepsi gave me free tickets. Okay, right. See what I mean? Pepsi's got this pop-open music with Pepsi deal. They're giving people the chance to win concert tickets every hour all summer long. How am I going to compete? Plus, Pepsi lets you choose from thousands of concerts. I'm talking some of the hottest shows of the summer. I'm telling you, this Pepsi thing, it's going to put me out of business. All summer long, Pepsi's giving away tickets every hour to your choice of thousands of concerts. Just go to Pepsi.com slash pass or download the Pepsi Pass app and pop open music with Pepsi. Only with Pepsi. No purchase or Pepsi Pass required to enter. Visit AMOE.Pepsi.com. Winners receive $200 Live Nation concert cash. Code terms apply. Ends 9-6-2015. Subject to official rules. Void were prohibited. Live for now with Pepsi and have some fun today at Ride Playland. 50 rides and attractions, fireworks, and more. Playland's $15 night specials is every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday through September 3rd. Minutes away in Ride, New York. Go to RidePlayland.org for details. From the network that brings you The Walking Dead, AMC, comes a new original series, Fear the Walking Dead. Welcome to the beginning of the end of the world. Everyone was dead. They don't know if it's a virus or a microbe. They don't know, but it's spreading. There was blood. What the hell is happening? When civilization ends, it ends fast. Fear the Walking Dead premieres Sunday, August 23rd at 9, 8 central, only on AMC. What's your name? 47. I'm an assassin. This Friday. Why do they want to kill me? They want my DNA to build more of me. Why would anyone want more of you? Hitman, Agent 47. I'm going to burn this program to the ground. Rated R, Friday. Hey, it's Laura Styles, and here's what's hot. WWE SummerSlam 2015 is going down at the Barclays Center on Sunday, August 23rd. Listen for your chance to be in the building or go to Ticketmaster.com to get your tickets today. And Tri-State, party with New York's number one draft pick, DJ CeeLo, and Logic eSig today at LeSouk Lounge in Greenwich Village, Manhattan. Bring in your Logic eSig. Love, laugh, Logic. Tune in every week to see where Logic eSig is bringing the party next. Yo, what up? It's a game, and it's the Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real pizza. Only on Hot 97. Thank you for that, Kelly Love. Welcome back to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Lisa Evers. We're talking about Ferguson one year later. Have things improved with our police departments? We've seen a lot of changes from body cameras, dash cams, retraining of police officers, independent prosecutors in these cases, all sorts of things. But what about the mood? What about the vibe? What about the tension? People tell me they call 911. They feel a little bit nervous because they don't know what's going to happen. Police officers tell me they feel nervous because they don't know what kind of reception they're going to get when they show up in the community, when they're really there just to help people. And in terms of the punishment, there's still a sense that many people have in the black community that there are two systems of justice, uh, one for them and one for everybody else. And we're ta- that's what we're talking about on Street Soldiers. 1-800-223-9797. Joining me in studio, George Martin. He's a former NFL star. Um, New York football giants co-captain, corporate executive, humanitarian, author of the new book on Amazon called Just Around the Bend. This Tuesday, he is doing a free football clinic for 400 kids in Newark with the Newark Police Department and also with the help of the New York City Sergeants Benevolent Association. Also with us is Sergeant Henry Marrero. He's a law enforcement officer working in New Jersey. Charles Coleman, federal civil rights trial attorney, criminal justice professor, and TV and radio legal analyst. And Michael Tucker, CEO and founder of Lay the Guns Down Foundation. Of course, your phone calls at 1-800-223-9797. Everybody, please feel free to jump in whenever you want. Charles, you want to say something? Sure. Um, When you talk about the tension, that was one thing that you brought up. 
you know, I think that the last caller had some very good points with respect to municipalities and and the targeted ticketing and and fines that are are being faced oftentimes by people of color and the working poor. If there's anything that came out of Ferguson or that has come out of Ferguson that's a positive is that Governor Jay Nixon recently um, came out in support of legislation which would limit the amount of, number one, how many fines or how much the fines actually could be um, for small-level offenses. And then number two, it also limited, and this is much more important, what percentage of a particular municipality's budget can come from the result of ticketing and towing and fines and warrants and things of that nature. And I think that across the country, it's not just unique to Ferguson. We've seen this problem in many areas, many urban areas where the working poor are the people who are ultimately supporting significant amounts of city economies. And when you have, you know, people who feel like they're being unfairly targeted, unfairly ticketed for every little thing, and, and, and it amounts to essentially always having a watchdog over your shoulder, that also creates a really strong sense of tension between law enforcement and community. So that's they're, a, they're the representative of that government exactly. structure. George, what do you think about that? Well, first of all, I, I, I like to say that I don't believe that Ferguson was an aberration and that it existed only uh, in a vacuum. I think that there are other Fergusons out there that really uh, behoove us to take a close look at what's going on there. And then secondly, I have to say because of the Black Lives Movement, I have been my heart has been warm to see that it's not just by black or uh, individuals of color. There's been a rainbow coalition across this nation who have uh, brought this uh, to our attention and awareness, and I'm so proud to see that uh, happening. But we still have a long way to go, and I think it's going to be incumbent upon us, as we all live in this this human ecosystem, it's incumbent upon us to come together and begin to look at uh, solutions, meaningful solutions. I mean, uh, it, it, to serve and protect, I think, is a mantra that uh, somehow it's been shifted. I think think that's have gone to almost to self-serve and self-protect and i'll tell you why i've been told so many times that if i've been pulled over i get out of the car i'm six foot five 275 pounds i feel as if though i'm threatened wait a minute just because i'm six five african-american and 275 pounds i'm the nicest guy you'll ever want to meet i don't want to be prejudged that the presupposition is just because i'm big i represent a threat to an officer but let me ask you this how do you how do you deal with that happening on a regular basis, or also with the, the idea that it could happen at any time. I mean, you're, you're a football, you're a, a former football star. You're very well respected. You're an author. You've done so many great things. And just to have somebody make that presumption based on how you look, how do you deal with the mental stress of that? That is difficult. It's very difficult when you feel as though you're not given the same treatment. If you were to go to Wall Street and you were to arrest someone, or you would you would caution, very caution of their human rights and all the rights that they're uh, entitled to as an African American. You're approached uh, with a very demanding voice. You know, get out of the car, put your hands in, 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 you know, in sight at all times. And I talked about that as I addressed law enforcement in Las Vegas this past year. Uh, talk about how we humanize uh, these uh, individuals uh, such as myself. Instead of looking at them as perps first, look at them as humans and give them the same kind of respect that they're entitled to to someone else. But uh, to the officer's point, I, I, I do think that uh, something has to be done. I think whether it's uh, you know coming together, better training uh, or just being able to sympathize and empathize with one another we have to start that dialogue and continue it As- henry, henry, oh, oh, henry what about that is it is the policing the style of policing is it out of date with and out of touch with our communities that that authoritarian model just doesn't work anymore and then you throw in pe- prejudice you throw in officers that have grown up in in you know in community all white communities or communities where, that are not diverse the, the majority uh, you know like just real quick i just want to you know address what we're 
had said about getting out of the car, being six foot five, two hundred seventy five pounds. Uh, when you get pulled over, don't don't uh, don't get out of the car. Uh, that's one thing because <laughs> we don't asking, we don't no, we don't see size. <laughs> we don't see size. We all actually do see human beings in that vehicle, but we do not know who we're approaching at the time. So for our safety, it's better that you stay in that vehicle so that that we don't feel that why are you getting out of the vehicle? Maybe you're hiding something in that vehicle. Can and you just that, quickly tell us since we have you right here? What, yes. when, and people, a lot of people are moving around a lot more because it's summertime and going unusual places and new places when, when if you are stopped and pulled over just give us a quick one two three of what you should and should not for, do for, for our safety for the for the betterment for all of stay us stay in the car obviously stay in the car put your hedges on lower all your windows pull over to the right and just wait for us to come to you know to, to address you and, and advise we, and you on the we've situation also, we've also heard turn the music down yeah sure you know, some you of us know, blast music yeah, while we're yeah, driving of course. and then and then you put your hands at the 10 and 2 o'clock position you, you on the that. just you know just be you know just don't make us feel any tension you know what i mean Lower the windows, put your hazards on, pull over, lower the music, and then just, you know, when we address you, you know, yes, sir, no, sir, whatever it attorney, may be. Attorney Charles Coleman, former prosecutor, too. What no, about that? I, I, think that, I think that, generally speaking, those are all fine, and, and I am a big proponent of complying with law enforcement at every turn because they have a job to do, and, and we should not interfere with them doing their job. I think there are two things that I really want to just make very – two points I want to make very quickly. The first of which is even for noncompliance, and this is very important – that should not result in the loss of life. And we were talking about that during the break. I agree with you and, on that. And and all too often, whether it's compliance or whether it's not, what ends up happening is that the narrative ends up getting skewed to the point that it's like, well, if he had only done this, then he would not have been then this would not have happened to them. If only he It's had a blame the victim. Right. It becomes a victim blaming thing. Um, and but when that, did, and the, victim, we, when did we, the cops become criminals and the, and the criminal become victim? Well, actually, it's interesting that you ask that because it dovetails directly into my second point. One of the biggest things that needs to happen and has to happen if this thing is ever going to be corrected is that the blue wall of silence has to be addressed. There are a vast majority of law enforcement officers out there who do a fantastic job at their jobs and they do what they're supposed to do each and every day. And they and 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 there are a handful of officers who don't and who give the first group a very bad name. However, when that first group is in that precinct, is in that locker room, and they stay quiet about the, the officers who they know are a little bit shady, are not necessarily doing their jobs the way that they should, then they become as much a part of the problem as the officers who are actually out well, I there. Could agree with you I keep saying, okay, let, let, let me take some phone calls. Let me take some phone calls okay, on. Let's go. Let's go to uh, Kevin from Brooklyn right now. Kevin, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Oh, yes. I really wanted to address the comment that the officer made with the Black Lives Matter. First and foremost, I figure, I, I really feel it is a scapegoat because whenever a black person brings that up, bring that up, it's always said, black lives don't matter when black people kill black people. But when Italians kill Italians, does that give us the right to go kill Italian people? Nobody now? talks about when, it. When European men shoot up schools. All lives matter. Shooting European men in schools. Let me say something. Let me finish, sir. My father was a 20-year detective. In the 75th precinct in East New York, in Brooklyn, in the 80s and the 90s. Wow. The job is not how it is then, how it is now. The, the way men are perceived and treated on these streets is ridiculous. And I was assaulted We're not by police officers being the son of a detective. Also, we can sit in this country and say, see, so the lion, and we can mm. feel bad for him. We don't sit and say, with all the lying on lying mm. violence, man, we shouldn't care about see, so the lion. This is a cop out. This is a scapegoat. And one final point. When Malcolm X was fighting for civil rights and Martin Luther King was fighting for civil rights, there was crime in Harlem. We did not say, let's stop the crime in Harlem to make sure we can get stuff right. We didn't say, oh, let's go stop them. We move forward. There are always going to be people who are a negative element in the community. Do not 
use that as the excuse to maliciously prosecute and go after black and Hispanic men. Thank you. You have a great day. All right, Kevin, thank you very, thank you very much. George, you want to jump in I there? want to digress just one second because I think of what Officer Henry said is, is absolutely valid about an SOP, a standard operating procedure when you are engaged with uh, police officers. Where do you get that information? How do we know that? It's not, you know, there should well, we've be. Well, we do shows on it from time to time, but clearly the, the, there should be public awareness campaigns. Right. We have campaigns where they tell us don't drink soda, drink right. water. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a little bit more critical, I think. So but I'm saying the police officers should come into those environments and say, hey, here's what we sh- should happen when we have an encounter. Because I don't think that that's a, a, something that's widely known among uh, individuals. And no, and George, some, 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 of them, some of them do, but it's, a, yeah. it's on their own time. And, it's, with, yeah. and it's, it's whenever, you know, schedules work out, like 100 Blacks in Law Enforcement. Also, the Hispanic Officers it, it, Asso- Latino Officers Association. The upper brass has to bring, come down to reality and, and walk the streets with the frontline officers. I've been saying that for and, the and longest. They, they need to understand that it's not up here being in your office, sitting down, and yep. making those decisions and just listening to somebody come up here and rat to you about what's going on in the community. They need to come on downstairs and walk the street to meet the people. When okay, Ge- okay. go ahead, Mike. When me and George was waiting in the, in the lobby, we were just discussing... Cecil the Lion. And we were saying that there's an outcry around the world because this lion was killed. But humans are being killed every day in our communities and nobody's outraged. Not to the same degree by, Not by to a the long same shot. Right. Exactly. I didn't know and, and it's, about it's about respect. If you respect the person, then you will deal with that person accordingly. If the officers have to do their job, you don't have to talk to me like I'm a dog, I'm a criminal. You don't have to throw me up against the wall and disrespect Respect me in front of my community. If you haven't done anything, if, wrong. I'm, if exactly. I didn't do anything, exactly. All right, let's let's bring him right now. Let's go to Oakland, California. We're bringing in Paris, the legendary Bay Area rapper. He's a Priority Records artist. He wrote an op-ed piece for the Washington Post talking about the issue of violence, police violence, and also uh, gun violence. The toll it takes, PTSD, which is not acknowledged in our communities because of the violence. He just released a video on World Star that I think is going to be very controversial about police brutality. It's called Night of the Long Knives. Paris, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. How you doing? All right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, all right, good. Why do you Why do you say that the only language America understands is violence? That's self evident. I mean, if you just look at every, all of the events that take place worldwide, globally, on a daily basis, that's how we interact with with the rest of the world, and that's how we interact with each other here. And then, in terms of the in terms of the uh, your op ed piece, and also, you say that right. guns guns should be considered gun violence should be considered a public health emergency. There's people here that have been it's, saying that too for the longest mm-hmm. for the longest right, 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 which would allow the issue to be addressed um, very much in the same way that 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 uh, public health campaigns exist that address public health problems like. Smoking and and uh, smoking and too much fat in your French fries and too much sugary yeah. soft drinks and all those Sexting things. while driving, you know, they're, they're campaigns to raise awareness where a lot of money is funneled into them and uh, that have proven to be effective. But we don't have that with gun violence. And in, ter- in terms of the video that's on World Star Night of the Long uh, Night of the Long Knives, the, the second half of the video is people shooting shooting at police and shooting up police, the, and you have a very moving tribute to, with a lot of uh, pictures of individuals who were shot and killed by police. What kind of reaction have you been getting to that? Uh, um, it, it completely depends on what side of the political fence you, you lie. Um, the people who are tired of being brutalized sympathize. People who love police don't. It's, it's pretty simple, but I believe in self-defense. 
And uh, I don't believe in standing around watching somebody being brutalized and filming it. You know, we've seen time and time again that the end result is what the end result has been, which is inaction. Exactly. All right, Paris, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate you getting up early in, uh, in Oakland there in the Bay Area. Thank you so much. Wow. I don't take care. Peace. All right. Bye bye. Peace. You know, it's New York. We move fast here. <laughs> <laughs> they got that, they got that, <laughs> you know, fast talking New Yorkers, Paris. I'm sorry. I'm not in the, I, love the, I love the Bay Area. Shout, shout out to everyone in the Bay Area listening. I worked in Oakland and San Francisco briefly for a little bit during my uh, my modeling days. Let me come back to but this, this very serious issue. And, and George, I want everybody to weigh in on this. The. Um, Civil rights movement, and we want to say rest in peace to Julian Bond, one of the leaders of the of the civil rights movement who passed this weekend. Civil rights, the core issue was that blacks could not have access, the same access in public places, one of the issues, as whites. Now, if blacks cannot feel comfortable driving or walking around in, around the country with that fear is is this police issue really a civil rights issue oh it's absolutely a civil rights issue i grew up in the south i i, I come from that era and uh, i am really indebted to people like julian bond and i, I really uh, send my uh, sincere uh, uh sympathies out to he and his family but one thing relative to black lives matter i know that there's also a counter initiative saying that all lives matter well black lives matter is not done in deference to any other life it's just saying that ours seems to be a, a lot more pervasive uh with the uh the callous nature in which we are, are, are being uh, killed. And I think that when you look at it, a black life should not be taken because of a, uh, a bag of Skittles or jaywalking or a busted taillight. That's just absolutely ridiculous on his face. Uh, unacceptable. It's totally unacceptable. And, and what we're trying to say is there has to be an awareness that that uh, that you have to put a premium on all life, but particularly black lives in, in this instance. That's simply and, what Charles, what about, what about this thingy? Because you see it too in a lot of the mainstream media and a lot of the mainstream media coverage, the way the whole, the way the whole issue is framed is as um, George said that if you say black lives matter all of a sudden people assume well no other lives matter or black lives matter more than other lives and or is it just about getting a seat at the table the same table as everyone else sure you know I think that for a lot of people um, they don't understand the history of where all lives matter came from um, black lives matter as we all know is a hashtag and it originated on Twitter all lives matter actually originated as a hashtag to actually poke fun at or demean the notion of or undermine rather is probably the best word the notion of black lives matter and and the fact that we continue to have this conversation while no one as george already pointed out is trying to demean or denigrate any other life mattering whether that's a life of another civilian whether that's a life of you know a, a policeman or any other human being the reality is we continue to have these conversations because what we're seeing and what we have seen is that black lives do not appear to matter as much and that is a problem and it is a it is a tool to raise awareness. What has effectively happened in this country is that law enforcement has essentially weaponized blackness. And George talked about that. And what I mean by that is when you talk about weaponizing blackness, it means that your race, your color, who you are is essentially what poses a threat. And it causes the interactions between law enforcement and people of color to be different than interactions with people who are not of color. If you look at uh, the footage from Ferguson and the Oath Defenders, for those of you who don't know, the Oath Defenders. Oh, the Oath Keepers. Of, I'm sorry, the Oath, thank you. Right. The, Oath, the Oath Keepers. These are men who are walking around. These are Caucasian men primarily mm-hmm. who are walking around with large assault rifles armed to the teeth, multiple guns on them, and law enforcement is around them silent. 
not saying anything, not not questioning them. Now they're abiding by the same laws and rules as the other peaceful protesters in Ferguson, mm-hmm. but there's no tear gas. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no uh, uh, there's no extra scrutiny given to them. There's no aggressive police tactics. I've spoken to numerous police officers and law enforcement officers across the country, and and they have generally conceded that. And this is this is particularly the case in New York that communities of color are over policed, and a big part of that is because blackness has essentially been weaponized. And we have to address that. We have to address that there is a racial element to this in in order to really deal with the conversation. People say, oh, we don't want to make it about race. But at the end of the day, we, when I say we, communities of color didn't make it about race. Other folks made it about race. And so now that that's on the table, we can't get away from the discussion without dealing with that element. Charles, I have to just chime in just one second, because I don't think you'll see in anywhere in the world where you'll see an African-American community that looks like it's being armed occupation of a white police force. And I think that until we begin again to go back to integrate and make sure that there is some empathy and sympathy and identification in those communities, you cannot have an all white you know, police law enforcement uh, occupying and predominantly I mean, I agree to that. Mm-hmm. That's why I said you got to yeah. put boots on the ground and yeah. make sure that these guys are out there interacting with people. And it should be somebody that comes from that community or in that in the vicinity of mm-hmm. that community. Or, uh, is, or is trained professionally to understand that that's part of the and, job and the requirement. Training, you know, I, I, I right? hear this about training and all this. That we're very well trained. Do you understand? But... Um, the problem is it, it comes from within you, your moral compass, the human being. We're all human. We only see uh, the person as a person. I don't see black or white or, or, or Chinese. or any, When I pull somebody over, I'm looking at a human being. We all, ble- we all bleed red in, in, in our eyes and in where I come from. So uh, what he was saying before was when, uh, when he was growing up in the 80s, he knew who Officer exactly. Johnson knew, his mother, his father, his brother, his sister. And if they were out of line, we get them in order. They know who's who. But also, right. too, doesn't it come down to being, being, you know, recognizing the individual's behavior? Judging a person based on their behavior, and if you're in that community, their- and that's where the crime is happening. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Uh, if you're working in that community and there's a crime, what are you supposed to do? All right, let's well- go to Angel from Brooklyn real quick. Angel, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hello. Hey, Angel, you're on the air. Go right ahead. What well, I, I believe, I believe. Could, could you please come off speakerphone, please? I'm not on speakerphone, man. Oh, okay. I believe what what everybody's saying about the black community. How we how how cops are supposed to stop the killing if we cannot stop killing our own black generation? It's true. Me, I live in I live in Brooklyn, New York. I've been living in Brooklyn, New York, all my life. I've been getting pulled over by police officers, but it's it's ridiculous. All right, Angel, let me get a response, Mike, real quick. Well, I feel as I said that we're not being respected. We can't do anything without dealing with the respect issue first we have elected officials that are in the community that can bridge the gap i'm not at war with any police officer i'm at war with people who are running around shooting people in the head for nothing i'm willing to work with anybody to address these problems we came up with a program second chance to give young men and women the opportunity to go to work to feel that they have some dignity and that they have worth in their their lives in the community you know like i said we have to have the police commissioner come down walk through the streets talk to some of the men who've been thrown up against the wall it just comes down to to 
basic human in, human interaction. Let me just bring in real quick uh, Ciela Bino. She's a Nassau County legislator. Uh, we heard about this through our very own music director, T.T. Torres, the one and only. And um, Ciela, uh, thank you so much for joining us. We just have a minute or two here. Tell us about Backpacks for Success and how people can get involved in that on Saturday, August 29th in uh, Nassau County. Good morning. Good morning. The Backpack of Success was birthed out of, you know, a time such as this where the nation is, uh, you know, trying to build, uh, bridge the gap between uh, law enforcement and community. Um, so we have uh, the elected officials for the Westbury, Newcastle community, um, myself, including uh, Town Supervisor Judy Bosworth and Count, Town Councilwoman Viviana Russell have partnered with the various law um, enforcement um, unions throughout Nassau County to bring the Backpack of Success program. So we'll be distributing up to 1,000 backpacks in the Westbury community, and um, law enforcement will um, be on hand to provide bike safety illustrations. Um, the explorers will be there as well. That's a uh, young group of uh, individuals who are working along with law enforcement um, through training programs, and, and they have expressed a desire to um, consider law enforcement as a career. So they will be out to interact with our young people during that day to um, let them know that there is a, a roadmap to becoming law enforcement officers within their own community. But I think what's most important um, is the, the actual packing of the bags. That takes place on the Thursday prior to the event, and um, that's when young people from the community, um, civic leaders, church leaders, uh, school officials, along with law enforcement, um, will come together and pack the bags. And, um, and the, so that's an evening where you know there's um, we're able to kind of there, informally engage around issues concerning alcohol. And, and there's some interaction. Um, Ciela, thank you so much for letting us know about it. The event is Saturday, August 29th, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Martin Bunkyweed Park in Westbury, New York. For more information, uh, children must be accompanied by a parent or a guardian from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. for the backpack giveaway and the other programs that Ciela just mentioned. She's a Nassau County legislator. It's S-B-Y-N-O-E, S-B-Y-N-O-E at NassauCountyNewYork.gov. Ciela, thanks so much for calling in and letting us know about this. We appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, Bye-bye. thank you so much. George, in, in terms of this goes to what everybody's been saying in terms of just building building some bridges doing something i think it's absolutely a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's so important that we have to begin to build those bridges and that's why i want to send a shout out to ed mullins who is the president of the sergeant's benevolent association here in new york and also gary vickers who's also a police force in newark new jersey these individuals have sincerely come forward and said we are going to begin to make a difference in the nation's youth we want to be a part of that change we want to start bridging those those divides all right henry i want to ask you um just a couple more tips to people getting pulled over over the uh, you know you say stay in the car turn the engine off you can turn the engine off or lower your windows put your hazards on you know be as respectful as you can even if you believe that the officer is wrong uh, you know for the moment just just go with the flow here's my information what did I do wrong and the officer should you know be able to address you accordingly and don't reach for any what about when they ask you for your license they ask you for your license and registration. I'm going to read for my license if that's okay with you. You know, just, you should just say that to the just, officer. because yeah, I mean, we had a okay. Go ahead. Yeah, you had an. No, there was a there was an incident that we we had a young man. Uh, he was military. Um, he was he was shot and killed on the Grand Central Parkway a couple of years ago. Okay, and he went to reach for his. No, no, I was I was going to jump in. I think that all of those tips are great, and I and and I do. Um, 
you know, I do mentoring with young men. And, and one of the things that we talk about is how to properly and appropriately interact with law enforcement, because on a practical level, um, it could be the difference between what saves their lives and what keeps them alive or what keeps them safe and healthy. Um, but in doing that and having this conversation, one of the things that I have to realize or that I have to point out to folks is that when you talk about the notion of Black Lives Matter, what we have to be honest about and realize is that people from other communities do not have to have these conversations with their young people. People from other communities, from other races, do not have to have the same conversations about how to interact with law enforcement, knowing that it could be very well the difference between life and death. And so when, until when that, you're being brought up, though, Charles, right, right, your parents or your parents, you should have that respect for, for, for adult or authority figures. In but the it's first not a place. question That's of the respect. Same thing that it's not, said. It's, but it's not a, it's not a question of and it, but it's not a question of respect. We're not talking about respect. We're talking you're saying about that nobody should have to talk to their child about how it, to treat. Exactly. And until and until we until within we, your, your, your upbringing. But until we address that, until we address the fact that there is a double standard across communities. The notion of Black Lives Matter continues to be relevant. It continues to be prevalent, and it continues to be needed. But we need to get out of the past to get ahead. All right, exactly. so, so, so moving ahead because we're the clock is moving ahead. Henry, what about that? Well, what, I, what, 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 what I say do, is what do that we need, you know, to do? we need just to, to 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 move on from the past. And, and if we stay in the past, we're never going to move on to the future. And and what we need to do is is get these you know these people to in the community, like I said, to to bridge the gap. We need the officers on the street. We need the people to interact with people and bring back humanity, and not not pretty much desensitize or dehumanize anybody and treat everybody equally because we're all human at the end of the day and we should all have that respect and, and we'll have no fear to live in this country and that's the bottom well, that's, line that, that would be that would be a dream come true if that happens George yeah at least I, I don't think this is a, a statement against po- police officers I think that when African-American males see that there's a very visceral response to that I'm a father of four young African-American males and the last thing I want to see is to have to go through what Mike went through seeing one of my sons dead so I will have that conversation because I don't ever want I have to 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 have that uh, happen, Mike, and I, my heart goes out to Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and totally. as I say, I still have kids. You know, I have other kids, and this is why I do what I do. I get out here to try to educate the community that we have a problem, and we need to address it from all sides. You know, like I said, it play uh, the elected officials. Y'all have to do more. People are dying in our communities every day. Twenty sixteen is coming. If they're not doing what they're supposed to do, vote them out of office. We see that it works. Vote and do work. Register right now because we cannot just sit around and do nothing anymore. Exactly. And, and I think that's going to have to be the final note for the show. It. And uh, hip-hop votes will be in full gear for 2016. You can you bet that. Me. And big shout-out to Diddy. I can't <laughs> wait to hear that interview tomorrow morning. Uh, hear him on uh, the morning show with, with Ebro, Laura Styles, and Rosenberg there. That's going to be incredible. And big shout-out to Diddy, to the one and only James Cruz, Sean Prez. Um, Diddy's sons were, you know, nice to meet you guys, too. And also, big shout out to Diddy for being with us with the hip hop votes way back in the day and supporting us with hip hop votes, vote or die, and getting that issue and helping us to register thousands of uh, people for the first time in their lives to register to vote. We're going to be talking about that a lot more in the future as we get more heavily into the election season. But I also want to let you know, starting next Sunday, set your alarm early, get your get your download your Where Hip Hop app, uh, Where Hip Hop lives. <laughs> Got to get up. Hey, oh, listen. You know we're early birds. You got you got to get up. That's 7 most successful. You can ask George Martin. I think most successful people have to get up really That's early. That's to make it happen. That's that, it. Uh, Thank you so much. So starting next week um, for Word. the rest for the rest of the month. 
7 a.m., Hot 97 Street Soldiers, our new time. And, of course, you can hear the show anytime on LisaEvers.com. So you don't have to wake up at 7. You can also hear, but we'd love for you to do that. You can also hear the show right afterwards on LisaEvers.com. And then starting in September, Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers coming to a TV station. You can guess which one. I can't make the official announcement. I'm not authorized. Um, but you will be able to see Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. We're going to have a lot of fun with that, as we always do. But also, you know, deal with the issues. I mean, this is life. It's like we, we want to recognize what's going on, the problems, but we want to realize there's a lot of people and acknowledge the people that are here really trying to move us forward as a people and as a nation. So I want to thank everybody here at Hot 97, our general manager, Deanne Levingston, program director, P.O. Farrow, uh, Pat Robinson for helping us make this whole new situation work and allow me to, uh, to you know, expand and do the do what we do and what we love to do. And my whole Hot 97 Street Soldiers team, executive producer Tone Capone, associate producer uh, Rose D, and also um, a production assistant from Melissa Quinones, Mia Bell, our board op digital support, Michael Medium, Amber Ravenel, always there when we need her coming in to help us win the game. And uh, the TJ Charles, always there for us, helping with LisaEvers.com and help, helping me get the word out. And uh, so many people, I just, I really, it's it, it takes a team, as George knows, it takes a team to win and that's what we intend to do we want to keep the issues out there we want to keep the pressure on we want to move the debate and the dialogue forward too so that it just doesn't go around in circles so i want to thank you all so so much for all your support uh please keep following me on twitter instagram facebook spread the word and uh you know catch me tonight at six and ten on fox five news five and ten during the week remember use your mind it's your best weapon i hope it's your only weapon i'm lisa evers push for peace. This hour made hot by the amazing flavors of Mike and Ike candy.